Hello. You're listening to a certain degree. This is your friend and mine, Nick. I am lucky you're here. Thank you for listening. Bree Sosa is back. The first time she was on, she was kind enough to do a live tarot card reading for me. This time around, she is just as open about her new career choice of becoming a tattoo artist. We also talk about Santeria, veganism, and much more. Without further ado, on with the show. The Murdochs on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. Good morning. My name is Nick. I'm a very lucky guy because every week I get to sit down with some of the best people around the Orlando area. And this week is no exception. A returning guest, Bree Sosa, is here. Good morning, Hi, Bree. How are you? Thank you so much for being here. I mean, yes, the pleasure is all yours. So. Uh, of course it is. Of course it is. And also, I mean, just the, the struggle is real. Mm-hmm. You are not a morning person. You are not on a morning schedule at all. I didn't realize people even were up at this hour. And you are coming in the day after or whenever it is after daylight savings thing, mm-hmm. springing forward. You have sprang forward. Yes. Into the studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, my understanding is you're also doing the fasting thing, doing the uh, intermittent yeah. fasting thing. So I'm I'm not hangry yet. You're but, going to be soon. But I'm not making promises of how this will go towards the end. Excellent. Excellent. So, so. please stay tuned for the entire <laughs> show to see if we all survive. Uh, Bree was here a couple of years ago, almost two years ago. Mm-hmm. And we talked a lot about your life and your experiences uh, growing up. Uh, here in Orlando. And at the time, you know, and this is something that still has a lot of meaning to me. And so I wanted to thank you again, if it wasn't clear how much it meant to me. Uh, You did a tarot card reading for me Mm -hmm. live on the air. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were in a different studio at the time. So it was much more uh, easy to do it in that studio because Mm -hmm. we were right across from each other. Now in the new studio at WPRK, we have a lot of equipment in the way. Mm -hmm. So we could still make it work if we needed to do it again sometime. But uh, it was really, really cathartic and listening to it again and again. And I think this is something you mentioned is that people go back and refer to um, uh, their readings. You tell them mm-hmm. to take pictures, right. uh, you know, maybe not record it and mm-hmm. listen to it again. But maybe that's something you want to get into at some point. Um, it was really, really uh, it, it beneficial to me. So I wanted to thank you again for oh, that. Thank you. You're very welcome. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely fun doing it. And it's interesting how I've grown mm-hmm. just from a couple years ago to now doing all the readings. Now I'm much, I think I'm a lot more just raw about it. I'm like, listen, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. These are the things. Do it or don't do it. Yeah. I have that devil may care attitude now. Oh, good, because you definitely <laughs> didn't before. Exactly. Now I've like I've leveled up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the devil has leveled up. No, no, I'm sorry. You have leveled up. No, I want to like rule like the underworld. So okay, yeah, great. you can call me a queen. That's fine. All right. We will definitely do that. Uh, one of the things we discussed, and I want to just jump right into it because I almost asked you this off the air, mm-hmm. uh, is about your new career path. Okay. And is that fair to call it that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So it was something that you have a lot of, and I think that I'd like to learn more about the transition of going from somebody who was receiving tattoos mm-hmm. to somebody who is now going to be uh, uh, creating tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are creating tattoos, but actually putting them on people. I don't know if you've actually started doing that. I know you're going through the apprenticeship program. I Mm -hmm. want to hear a little bit more about that. 
uh, because the only tattoos that I've gotten were when I was 18. Mm -hmm. So that's nearly 30 years ago. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it was one of those I'm I'm being rebellious in my own nerdy way because I never did anything really that rebellious before that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went in. I didn't really know what I wanted. I got a couple of things on my ankle. I don't regret it, and mm-hmm. I don't regret the designs, but I would like to eventually get them covered up, and I've thought about doing okay. other things, uh, mm-hmm. but I just haven't followed through on that at this point. So having said that, two years ago, Brie versus now Brie. Mm-hmm. Now Brie? Yeah. Uh, what happened and what made you think that, uh, okay, you know, I this is the path I want to take now, and mm-hmm. What is it like? So I never thought I'd be a tattoo artist. I never like went and like getting tattoos thinking, I'm totally going to rock that. I don't have a massive art degree. I would doodle. I mm. feel like everyone doodles. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the more I started spending time in a shop and the more I saw like that connection between artist and client, I'm like – that's really groovy. I really enjoy that. I really enjoy that fam- like that family mentality that you find in a tattoo shop. And it's weird because it's almost like I feel very circus-esque where if you're in the family, you're in the family and it's the strong, loyal bond. And if you're not, you're just kind of like, look at those bunch of freaks over there doing all these shenanigans. But it's not like that. I feel like my tattoo family is so supportive and has really laid the groundwork for me to trust the process, even as I get frustrated in drawing, because I'm starting off with traditional tattoos Mm -hmm. and just learning to draw again. Um, And my mentor is really good about like, hey, I love that you're not a fine artist and you don't have a bachelor's degree in fine art. He's like, now you actually learn the right way on how to tattoo because it is still a technical skill. Right. And there is, you know, there's a component. It's not just drawing all day. It's here's the technicality of it. Here's how a machine works. You know, sanitation, connecting with your your potential clients, you know, the social media game. So all these skills that I've had have kind of led me to this point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to play everything that I've ever learned in my entire life. And I'm going to learn this new skill and do this thing. So what was the impetus? What was that moment, that watershed moment where you said, okay, I'm going to do this now, or at least try this. So it was probably in November, like this past year. Okay. So it was recent. It was very recent. And I was like tracing and doodling. And then I was at the shop helping with like social media stuff. And which shop is this? So it's Pride and Envy. I work at the Orlando location. Uh, So definitely check them out and follow them on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, I was tracing something and I had, and I was like, imagine if I could actually tattoo. So then I started talking to one of my friends who lives in the UK. And because I'm really big on following like female artists. And she's like, you should do it. Like, there's not enough females in the industry. She's like, you have the perfect personality. She's like, I've seen you do like what you do. She's like, just try it. What's the worst that can happen? So I started sketching and tracing. And then I was like, she was almost giving me like an online mentorship. And she's like, okay. She's like, I think you're ready to like, you know, so many people just ask. And yeah, I was just like, find that one person. Yeah. So then I talked to, um, he's like my brother, so Zeke, he also works over at the Pride and Envy shop, and I was like, hey, I want you to be my mentor, and he's like, all right. Like, it was so easy, because it is really challenging to find a mentor. It's not like there's an application process. You just have to have this tenacious, maybe intimidating spirit, which I feel like I embody as a human, Mm -hmm. and he's like, yeah. He's like, I figured eventually. 
He's like, you'd ask me. And he's younger than me, too. So it's just, and he's like my little brother. So we have this very weird, not traditional mentor, apprentice, like dynamic. But it's like two like siblings arguing all the time. It's great. It's very, it's very enlightening for me as a human. So knowing you as I do, I know you have the skill set to connect with a potential client or Mm -hmm. someone you know already Mm -hmm. uh, to take them through that journey of getting something that is meaningful that is going to cause a certain amount of pain uh but at the end will be worth it um and building that trust right because this you're going to be working on their body Mm -hmm. right so it's not you know it's it's almost like surgery in a Mm -hmm. way it's almost like finding a doctor and having that bedside manner so i know you'd be good at that thank you i know you have an interest in it because obviously you have a lot of tattoos Mm -hmm. and you hang out at uh tattoo uh uh Shops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't call them parlors anymore, do we? <laughs> I want to call it a parlor. Can we do that? Sure. Okay, we're you doing hang that. Hang out at ta- tattoo parlors. Um, so it was really the going to be the art side of it, and so I'm interested in this because you know it's it's something you don't think about necessarily. You think about okay, somebody's a tattoo artist, and what was the journey to get them there? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the technical part. Mm-hmm. Because I think about um, my mom, who is not a tattoo artist, but she's an esthetician, mm-hmm. and she has to go through so much training for licensing and certification and all of this on stuff that doesn't even apply to an esthetician is like skincare. Right. And so, you know, she's got to know everything about the body and physiology and stuff like that. I would imagine being a tattoo artist, besides finding the mentor, uh, you have to go through a lot of different training to be licensed as well. So basically, you just need to get your certificate from the health department and mm-hmm. you can tattoo. Oh, okay. So what's interesting, though, is a good apprenticeship will teach you, hey, when you're doing a tattoo on someone, like a certain body part, guess what? When they move, it's going to distort a, a certain way. Like what does skin do over time? So I actually also have a background in aesthetics. So I know about the skin component. I was pre-med when I started college. I'm a yoga teacher, so I have all the anatomy knowledge, too. Um, so when I look at – I've been training myself on other things because I want to think about anything that could possibly happen in this session while I'm tattooing. Like what if someone passes out because that happens, too. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing how to place a body so they're comfortably getting tattooed because that's – so it's really when you get tattooed, it's a mind game. Like, how much pain can you endure? And if you're super hyper-focused and super tense, it's going to hurt 10 times more than if you just kind of submit to it and relax and are as comfortable as you can be with, you know, needles going into your body. Just slightly into your I body. Mean, yeah, I mean, just like slightly. It's not nothing too crazy. I mean, if you're into that sort of thing. Not everybody's into that. Right. I'm very into that, as you can tell. Yes. So, And we'll take some pictures so that mm-hmm. people can see that. But... Uh, it's something you also share uh, mm-hmm. as far as your uh, I, lifestyle, for lack of a better term, um, because I think that, you know, while we have gotten away from sort of this idea that people with tattoos are of a you know certain mindset, they are of a certain type of people um, because they've become more mainstream. Um, I, I think that that's something that we still and I would imagine you as a tattoo artist are now going to have to figure out, like, how do you present yourself online? How do you do the social media aspect of it? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because that's going to be important as well. And are you going to have, you know, I I think that it'll be interesting to find out, are you going to have those two Instagram accounts, one, your tattoo art, and one, 
your personal that also includes tarot that also includes other stuff I really feel like it's hard for me to separate like who I am as a person I think that people strive to find and they might not even do it like on a conscious level Mm -hmm. but they do want to connect with you as a human like I'm not just a series of drawings I'm not just tarot like I'm a real person and like I'm dorky and nerdy and but I will also be intimidating like don't mess with me type of situation. And it's kind of like I want to embody who I am as a person on one page. So that way, hey, when you meet me, it's not a surprise. Like I'm not you're you know, not expecting someone who's just drawing. But like I'm a real person. I have my own thoughts and opinions. And I think very much presenting me as a whole package is what helps me connect with certain people. And I really also want to do occult tattoos. So there are spiritual tattoos, and a lot of people do this, like, you know, in Bali and things like that. They obviously, they hand poke them. I'd be doing it with a machine, but really connecting, being like, hey, if you're really into spirituality and all this esoteric, Mm -hmm. you know, shenanigans, let me tattoo you because that's what I practice, you know? And I think people would be like, wow, getting tattooed by a real live witch. That's cool. So that's how I would want to go for sure. Exactly. I mean, spells, hexes, curses, it's totally fine. I mean, it's authentic. When you say hexes and curses, you mean stuff to prevent hexes and curses. Is that correct? Well, I mean, unless someone crosses me, then it'll be a very different tattoo experience. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Mental notes. Don't think I've crossed you, but now I'm (laughs) thinking that. Second guess everything. Yeah. Oh, no. I 100%. Am. Let's go back to the process of becoming a tattoo artist okay. for a second. So you have uh, tattoos, but you have not uh, put a tattoo on a person yet. Right. So how is that going to go? You're practicing your freehand drawing. I saw that on Instagram the other night. Right. So and... basically there's two schools of thought. Okay. So – Everyone has an iPad now. iPads have completely changed the game because it allows you to draw straight lines. And essentially, a lot of people have become tracers, you know, mm-hmm. and like, oh, I'm a really great tracer. Uh, my mentor's like, what happens the day you forget the iPad or the iPad doesn't charge? He's like, then what are you going to do? So it's all about freehand right now and everything in drawing is a basic shape it extends from a basic shape like the alphabet if you look at any type of art you can see almost like the lines that make up the alphabet and he's like if you learn those shapes you can break down anything and what happens like when you're learning to draw because that's essentially what I'm doing is I'm relearning how to draw Mm -hmm. and I'm looking at okay if I'm looking at this traditional rose yes your mind computes that as like that's a rose but now when I look at it I'm like oh, I see M's, I see V's, I see certain shapes, and then I put those shapes together to create something. Right. So that's essentially freehand drawing all these very traditional shapes will help you when you try to morph into more advanced drawings. So that is, uh, and I remember this from getting my tattoo, and I think this is still the process, you create a a stencil, mm-hmm. I think, and so you can apply that to the person's body, and then you essentially go over that, right. um, taking into account some of the things you talked about earlier, which is like, how is the muscle going to move? What mm-hmm. are what's going to happen? Where am I putting in color right. and shading and things like that? Right. When do you feel like you're going to get to that stage? Is that going to be so like a? My you know, goal is a, summer. Okay, so so by I'm this a, I'm very goal oriented. Mm-hmm. So I'm like by summer, like that's what I want to do, and then by the end, because usually apprenticeships are about a year long. 
Um, sometimes they are longer depending on the situation. Uh, my mentor has decided like, hey, for every four lessons, there's, you know, a quiz and you need to be able to do this task before we move on to the next thing. And that's my goal is like, hey, by summer, I'm going to have a machine and I'm going to start. And then by the end of the year, like I hope to start next year, like full fledged tattoo artist. So full time finding clients, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Uh, what, 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 how does the practice part go? Like, where do you practice? How can you practice? Is it just finding willing participants? So there is this like ideology that you can't, you shouldn't practice on humans, but I'm also of the mindset that I'm like, well, when you are a cosmetology student, you're practicing on humans. So, except this is more permanent. Mm -hmm. So the way there's a couple different schools of thought. One is you start, once you get your machine, you're trying to figure out like the density of skin. So obviously when you're drawing, it's very different. But when you're actually practicing, you need to kind of feel that density. So things like oranges and squashes, they even have pro skin, which is fake skin that you can tattoo on to kind of give you the idea of like, hey, when your needle's going in, this is what this feels like. So that's kind of like the starter. Then once you kind of get decent at that, you're like, okay, it's time for humans. Yeah. Sacrifices, if you will. So I'm really just looking for tributes at this point. You know, like once I get to summer, I'm like, all right, who wants to be my tribute? Mm -hmm. And then they just, you just hope for the best, I guess. You hope that your entire training up to that point has taught you, pull a straight line. You know, have a line around the block. Yeah. (laughs) Just people waiting for, yep. I'm hoping. I like it. So, and then once you do that, then it becomes more automatic because then you start with just line work. Then you right. go into so shading simple, and then color. And then, yeah, and then you work down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I know that for some people, I was doing a little research on the Pride and Envy site, mm-hmm. um, and that's Pride, the letter N, Envy. You can find it at prideandenvy.com uh, mm-hmm. or on uh, the social medias, especially Instagram, to see some of the work. And, uh, you know, each artist, um, and uh, again, this is something that didn't occur to me, because I don't get tattoos. I don't hang out in that uh, world all that much. But each artist has their own specialty, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like, okay, I like to do black and white and I like to do a lot of line work and I like to do um, – I think I was looking at Zeke's uh, Instagram and he does a lot of Pokemon. Mm-hmm. So, he loves anime. That's yeah. his thing. And it's very, very colorful. Mm-hmm. So do you have an idea of what your – thinking about specializing in of what you're going to do yet so i do and i really love the style of illustrative Mm -hmm. so my big thing is like when you look at someone it's like you're looking at a storybook and i love that and then i also love neo-traditional which is taking the concepts of those strong traditional lines and morphing them into something new that you can still translate and see what it is but the shapes are a little bit different the palettes are a little bit more muted um And that's kind of what I'm thinking. But as I kind of go through this process, I'm like, I might change. I might, you You know. You might find something you really connect with. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I do think that one thing I probably won't be into is like portraits. Really not into portraits. But I still want to learn how to do it. So my big thing is I want to know how to do everything. I want someone to walk in. And if they want lettering, I'm going to rock out some lettering, you know, and be able to not only freehand that, but then do it so that it's legible and makes sense. and Spelled correctly. Yeah. Spelled correctly is a big one. Why don't people spell check? What is What is going on? We have the technology. That's my understanding. I mean, do some people not have it? Or? Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't know it's there or they turned it off. 
Oh, is that is that a thing? Spell check everything. Everything. And then I double check the spell check. Yeah. Because I don't trust computers. Correct. I just don't. <laughs> well, that's good. So. That's good to know that you don't trust computers. They can't know everything. Uh, I mean, do they, though? Yeah. Do we really think so? I think Alexa, Siri, uh, OK Google, all those guys are listening to this conversation right now, processing it. and They're going to come after me now. More than likely. OK, well, it's going to be like a Home Alone situation. So good luck. I just love the idea of Siri and uh, uh, Alexa it's a girl as thing. the wet bandits. Yes. Isn't it, wasn't that their name from the movie? Yes, the Wet yeah. Bandits. Can that be a thing? Now, here's a question for you. Home yes. Alone 1 or 2? Which one's your favorite? 1. Really? Yeah. I think because I have such a fascination with New York that 2, like, really gets it for me. I It was good, but it was, you know, it was a little bit It's contrived. Too much. I yeah. mean, it's very formulaic, which is right. fine. But it it's also New York, which is like, ugh. And Tim Curry. Yeah, I think there are better New York, and there might even be better New York with Tim Curry movies out there. Are there? Yeah. I think you may need to watch more movies. I mean, I used to work at Blockbuster. That was my first job. Uh-huh. And I watched, I feel like, a plethora of movies. You Maybe not enough about New York. That might be true. Yeah. I do love New York. I like to go every year in okay. October. That's a nice time to go. It is. It's mm-hmm. my thing. So that was literally right before you decided to do this. Mm-hmm. So was that trip part of the decision or so did I'm anything definitely... happen? Was this was it like a spirit journey? <laughs> My up there? spiritual journey at the yeah. nightclubs. Um <laughs> so when I go to Chinatown, it's very enlightening. Um but it kind of is because I love going to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I that sounds super hipster millennial. No, just when you say it out loud. I mean, I, I want to be self aware. So okay. I maybe maybe that was more a comment for I me. I mean, here's the thing. It's really, really nice. <laughs> it is. All right? It is. It's really nice. And so I think I was having so I went with one of my friends and she's very free spirited and you know, and we were just talking and she's like, If you could do like she's like, what's something that you'd want to do that most people like they think that you should do but that you won't do because you have like these limitations and i think i just off the cuff because i was distracted i wasn't focused on her it was also 2 a.m so not my i wasn't focused um i was like i don't know tattooing and then like she's like oh my god you should totally do that and i'm like no like i don't even draw like i'm not an artist and you know i got very broody about it because that's that's me as a human being Mm -hmm. super broody and emo um but then the more I thought about it, I was like, I don't know. Maybe this is a thing I can do. Like, can I do this? Can I learn a new skill? Because I'm in my 30s now. You know, I don't I like what am I capable of? And then I was like, maybe I should try it. So I very under the radar is like, OK, I'm going to just trace. I'm going to just doodle, not put any pressure on myself. And then. It became like a reality the more and more I started doing it and like reaching out and like following a lot more accounts and just talking to other tattoo artists, talking to a lot of female tattoo artists, to be honest, because it's a tough industry to break into, especially as a female. So I was like, do I want to do this? I'm like, yes, I have that punk rock can do attitude. And that's what happened. I think it's interesting, though, that you got yourself out of your comfort zone. Mm hmm. You were, and I would say that being in New York, uh, out and about at 2 a.m., mm-hmm. uh, could be a little bit like being in a sweat lodge and going on a spirit journey a little mm-hmm. bit because you're 
a lot of your um, walls are not necessarily up. Right. The usual defenses that you have being in Orlando and being around your family and being around the safe group of friends that you have um, are not up. Right. And so that's interesting. So if you do go every year, I hope somebody asks you something similar to that. Well, I think the first time I went, it was more about like sitting and eating um, vegan pizza on like on a brownstone and just sharing it with like random people walking by at like also 2 a.m. I feel like 2 a.m. is like my witching hour. That seems to be it. And I, the, it's weird that I actually remember because yeah. I'm a clock watcher. Well, we're only five hours after it right now. So exactly. So we still should be in the witching area. It's the cloud? Yeah. The cloud of it? Yeah, I the, feel that. Yeah. So We put everything up in the cloud, mm-hmm. in, the, in the witching cloud. <laughs> well, let's take a break uh, and play a song. Okay. That sounds groovy, I guess, for a radio show. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, if you miss any of the show this morning, if you're listening at home, please, please, please subscribe or choose if you want to subscribe. Mm-hmm. You can uh, to a show called To a Certain Degree. You can hear this wonderful interview later on and also Bree's original interview from a couple of years ago. I'll post that as well. Um, I mean, it's out there, but I'll repost it to the socials. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And you can hear all sorts of, uh, as Bree so eloquently puts it, shenanigans. And tomfoolery. Oh, boy. That's a (laughs) lot. You got a lot of words for that, don't you? I do. Okay, great. So we'll hear Tilly and the Wall. This is Pot Kettle Black on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. Every week. That's how often Nick is on the radio with amazing people from around Orlando. There are community leaders and musicians, improvisers and actors, entrepreneurs and educators, and many, many more. If you like what you're hearing, consider subscribing to the podcast, or if you already subscribe, follow the show on social media. If you do both of these things already, you have unlocked the secrets of the universe. 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 Now back to the show. Tilly and the Wall from their 2008 album, Oh, that was Pot Kettle Black. And the song at the very, very beginning of the show was the Murdochs with Die Together from their 2008 album, Roar. Uh, Apparently, I uh, collected a lot of music in 2008. This is all from my personal collection. What I tend to do is hit random on my library and the songs that come up that remind me of the person and with the returning guests like Bree Sosa, who is here again today, mm-hmm. it's a little bit easier because I know them a little bit better. Mm-hmm. We've gone through some stuff together. We have. Yeah. I it's feel like. Tomfoolery. Uh-huh. Old sport. Oh, boy. <laughs> We're going to bring that back, too, huh? Yes. Yeah. Why, why do we not speak like that anymore? It's so much fun. With uh, the uh, balderdash and... And like, oh, like my dance card's full today. And the bee's knees and the cat's oh, I, meow. Yeah, I love saying the bee's knees. All right. I don't know. You just need to embrace it and just do it because I said so. Okay, great. Because I'm the authority and all that. Those colloquialisms. Uh, Okay. I will. um, I'm going to look up colloquialisms. While I'm doing that, I do have another question for you. So thinking back to our original interview a couple years ago, um, it's something that I really enjoy is inviting strangers on Mm -hmm. and talking to them for the first time 
uh, and really getting to know them, you know, on a radio show, on live radio, because that mm-hmm. doesn't make anybody nervous or put up any kind of guards or anything. <laughs> it certainly doesn't for you. No. I think if I'm anything, open. yeah, you're, you're, the only thing you're trying not to do right now is swear. Exactly. I really Ooh. appreciate that. I am trying so hard. I think I've like bitten my tongue a few times yeah, because yeah. it's so natural. That's good. So, uh, thinking back to that interview, though, one of the things you mentioned that I don't know that I glossed over, but I didn't, I definitely didn't ask a follow up question on, and I really wish I had, and I'm glad you're back, is uh, Santeria. Mm hmm. Uh, so you mentioned when you were talking about tarot cards that that was part of your uh, uh, that was part of your life growing up, mm-hmm. and so you mentioned Santeria as part of that. Now mm-hmm. I don't know much about it other than the lyric from that one song, and <laughs> oh, the, really? That's like ninety nine percent of the population. Yeah, and a, a quick Google search, mm-hmm. um, but it got me thinking about it because I think that Google is wonderful, and like. I could read 27 articles about it, but it doesn't really matter because it seems like it's something just like I'll compare it to veganism in a way. Mm-hmm. Veganism is going to be different from person to person. Right. So you don't have this is what vegan means. Right. It's this is what vegan means to breathe. This is what vegan means to this person, et mm-hmm. cetera, et cetera. So I'm curious about, you know, having looked up sort of the dictionary definition of Santeria. Right. What did that mean for you? And what was it like growing up in a household that or with someone who actually um, embraced that? Um, It meant having a very unusual childhood. Um, I remember wearing like certain colors on certain days. Um, Things, I guess, I thought were just routines were more like ritualistic. Um, a lot of candles being burned. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything is very much tied to ancestors. So that is like the foundation of, you know, your ancestors kind of help carry you through. And then you have Orishas, which are like, think of them as like saints on steroids. And they, there's, that's you know, how I think of saints. I mean, you should. Yeah. Like we just, we can never compete. Um, and they each have a task and they each have a symbolism. And every day there's something specific that you honor that particular Orisha. Um, so in my head, because I also grew up Catholic as well. So and it's very close and yeah, similar. Well, it had some ties exactly. to it. right? And then you have Orishas that they are. If you look at a Catholic saint, it's kind of like double-edged sword type of situation so growing up i was just like wow my family's like super religious like it's kind of annoying but then the older i got the more i was in tune with the fact that oh so doing things like automatic talking and automatic writing and you know really being involved with the priest and like all these certain things it was just really interesting and herbs like even cooking became very ritual like oh we're going to put in these bay leaves because we're really focusing on protection and you know i thought Mm -hmm. like my grandmother was just messing with me and putting dirt in my food you know but no that's just spell work and it's just really interesting because things that i thought were completely normal when i would go to my friends who were like lutheran None Not of that was happening. Yeah. I'm like, oh, where's your altar? Like, where are all your ancestors? Like, how come you guys don't have things on the wall? Because basically I grew up with ancestors like covering the walls, like all these black and white pictures. I'm like, why? Like, what is happening? Like, why is that so important and very focused on, you know, the matriarchy and like 
who's in charge and this is what we do. We need to ask great grandmother for X, Y, and Z. And then I just, there was a point where I like rebelled against all that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, atheist. But it always like finds you. And then you just kind of find your spiritual flow again. So Well, and I think for a lot of people what happens is it makes sense when you're a kid because that's how you're raised. Right. Then you rebel. Mm -hmm. And then you bring back the things that I think fit with Mm -hmm. your ethos and your your personal sort of uh, approach to the world and things like that. So what have you – what do you still sort of look at? Because I know one of the things we talked about, for example, is – you were rolling your own, um, not cigarettes, but you were rolling your own herb. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I call them herbal cigarettes. Herbal cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. So tobacco is really big. It's really seen as an offering to a lot of orishas. Um, my grandmother smoked like so much. My grandfather smoked so much. And I obviously don't smoke because I'm enlightened and I don't want to smoke. But I do feel like there's something very spiritual about smoking because it's think of incense. When people burn incense, it's this smoky, hazy feeling. So I started rolling those with herbs that have medicinal properties. And I was like, okay, if I ever want to, like, I'll do this and I'll offer these as like tributes, you know, to um, like any of the altars that I have at home. I also kept up with the ancestral altar type of situation where in my room I have like this box, a shadow box, if you will, and I have very important ancestors in there with like little gifts and it just always stays up because like I don't want like a whole wall. I don't want people staring at me while I'm sleeping. Mm -hmm. That's off-putting. For some people. I mean, some people are about it. Yeah. I'm just not that person. Great. So good to know. Make a mental note. Does not like to be looked at while while sleeping. sleeping. Right. That okay. would be that's odd. But so I do things like that. I do have like an altar where I practice. Um, I do also. I do. A, I have a lot of herbs, and when I cook, I do the same thing. I now my kids now think I put dirt in their food because I put the leaves in there, and I'm like, nope, just don't eat them. But they're we'll pretend it just adds flavor to your food but in my head i'm like no it's offering prosperity and protection yeah. and you know and i also with my children i'm not as intense as my family was but i do like they see me sage the house they if they're feeling anxious like they like to hold crystals they have this very subtle spirituality kind of following them that i've i want to give them the foundation for but not be like tell insane. them exactly what right. to do I'm like, and how to do it yeah they have autonomy in yeah. their spiritual practices let me ask you about you mentioned automatic talking and automatic writing mm-hmm. I, I wasn't sure what that was referring to so there's a practice where you kind of get into a trance like state and you kind of open yourself up to have some kind of energy kind of go through you and it's called automatic talking so you just say things no processing no nothing it's everything that just comes to you and you just filter it back out um there's also no automatic writing where you kind of get into a trance-like state and you literally just write down whatever it's it looks there i mean there's no punctuation there's no grammar it's the words that you think of just go into the paper and there's people that believe that this automatic writing and talking is from outside energy forces Mm -hmm. so you know talking in tongues if you will so being bilingual, that really helped out. I thought it was strange as an eight-year-old that I knew more Latin than most people, which was a dead language. Uh, it's not necessarily of the, the usual. 
But I was like, oh, not everybody knows Latin. That's strange. <laughs> but but I guess it's just me. But like in seeing that in writing, I'm like, oh, okay. So that's essentially automatic writing and speaking. It's interesting to hear that, you know, something I would consider very unusual um, is is something that is not that different from the experiences that I had. Like when I went to somebody's house and found out that Easter was on a different day because mm-hmm. we celebrated Orthodox Easter mm-hmm. um, or that, you know, they cooked meals in a different way. They didn't have the certain sauces. They didn't have because I grew up a very Greek Orthodox. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, going to church, for example, at a different church and hearing singing mm-hmm. was really weird, even to this day. When people sing in church, I'm just like, this doesn't seem right to me because for the first 18 years of my life, there was no singing. There was some chanting. There was some other stuff. But, you know, no real songs like that would try to bring you up. Mm -hmm. Um, So hearing you have the same experiences just in this different way is pretty interesting. Um, And I feel that like this connection there Mm -hmm. uh, to that now and it. In a weird way, it, it now that I know a little bit more about it, and again, this is your experience with it, um, it makes me want to learn more about it. Oh, wow. I feel like a PR person for Santa Maria. Yeah, you should be. I mean, okay, I'm down. I mean, I also break the rules because you know me. Like, I, I feel like rules are like suggestions. Um, so some people may or may not agree. How do you feel about laws? They're like strongly worded suggestions. Okay, great. That's interesting. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, is it really breaking the law if you don't get caught? Um, so moving on, <laughs> uh, let me ask you about uh, tarot cards then. How okay. did that fit into Santeria for uh, – because you mentioned that as part of your upbringing and, and a connection with that specifically. So it's funny because my mom, she threw – she throws runes, which is very Nordic in its origin. Mm-hmm. Um and my grandmother, her version of tarot cards are poker cards because each of the suits represent a certain element. And it's the same concept as tarot cards. Tarot cards are very new agey, like the pictures, it connects more. Um, so like Santa Rhea, I feel like is a baller on a budget type of situation. Like I can get my herbs and candles at Publix. Like I don't need to go to a new age shop. Yeah, I, there's no crystal. There's no nothing. So I've kind of developed that. So tarot cards, it kind of started off with I like them as a spiritual tool, but like the pictures are pretty because I love art. So I have different themed decks, and I've only gained more. I even have tattooed, you know, tarot cards now, and they they're gorgeous and traditional. But for me, I felt like so many people are visual that. I mean, I could tell you all the things, but it doesn't have as strong of an impact as actually seeing it in a card. Like with my partner, I'm like, you want to do tarot? Instead of me telling you what it means, I'm going to I make him look it up, I'm like Google it, you know, because <laughs> I'm like, I'm not I'm not doing this because I feel sometimes with certain people that you just have to be like, I know you so well that I don't need the tarot cards to tell me your shenanigans. But I feel like sometimes they need it. So I'm like, okay, here's my deck. Yeah. Pick your own cards and then look it up. And they're like, okay. And But then it's seeing their face process it. It's really interesting. Because when you're really close to someone, it's almost like you're giving them advice. 
and it doesn't have as much of an impact as like, no, you pick the cards, you read about it, process it. What about uh, you had mentioned with your kids sometimes you just throw a card or they pick a card, mm-hmm. um, especially if they're – is it sometimes when they're struggling or sometimes when they're having a bad day or is it just – any just, given moment. Yeah, they're kind of willy-nilly about it. Sometimes, like, if they have, like, a nightmare, they'll be like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to have a crystal and I'm going to pull a card. Or sometimes they want to start off their day. I'm like, okay, what, like, I, they don't see the spiritual impact that it has. They just mm-hmm. think they're pulling a card with the picture on it and, like, oh, that's cool. And sometimes they each pull the same card and then they compare, which is really funny to hear an 11-year-old and a 6-year-old, like, talk about like what card did you get like oh my gosh I got the same card and they but it to me it's almost like a bonding experience for them I think a lot of it is just like oh mom's crazy and then they just go about their day okay good I mean so just like any other 11 and 6 year old yeah I'm like oh I feel like they're plotting against me yeah and like any other 11 and 6 year old yeah Yeah. that's what's happening essentially luckily they're still children so they're not that great at pulling anything off yet they don't have follow through yeah or like long term planning no zero it's very reactive that's good so that's good that's why the children never win right I mean I have the upper hand for now yeah a little bit I mean, they're almost taller than me, so that might prove to be interesting as they get older. Tarot cards uh, have been meaningful for you and been a part of your life for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're not going to stop doing that part um, of your, uh, you know, approach to people and your interaction with people as you're doing tattoos. Do you feel like there might be more to that sort of overlap in the future, tattoos and tarot? Um, I definitely think so. I think that there's this kind of collective thought that why not have more meaning into things that you do and actually, instead of kind of pretending that you don't care, realize maybe I actually do care about this particular thing. So embodying those people who are on the spiritual quest, hey, come see me and I'll tattoo you because I'll be as respectful as you are about this process because I really believe in this having spirituality in your daily life however you see fit you know I want to illuminate it for that person Mm -hmm. I want people to be like even if it's something silly where you make a wish on 11-11 you want 11-11 tattooed on you I got you I want people to really focus on the reverence behind it as well because sometimes it can be challenging where you have this very meaningful tattoo that you want and it's murked with like tarot and magic and you know alchemy symbols and you want someone who kind of believes what you believe mm-hmm. in order to to really give it that positive vibe like you know when you walk somewhere and th- something feels off where you're just like oh this kind of sucks and then you know when you walk into something and it some people call it alignment or some people are like oh no this just feels good Sometimes it's just wording. Like we kind of all do and feel the same things. We just call it different things. Like what I think of something as very serendipitous and very fate type of situation. Someone's like, oh, no, that's a coincidence. It's your perspective and how you view each situation. How much of – and I can make the case in my head for tarot. Mm -hmm. I was wondering about tattoo, uh, getting a tattoo as well, is you would consider like a self-care. Mm-hmm type of scenario. So tarot is, again, very easy to make that analogy, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're getting, it felt to me that when you were on the air last time and we did it on the air, mm-hmm. it was uh, somewhere between a therapy session and, you know, friendly advice. Right. Really is what it came down to. It was very insightful. It was very much 
um, uh, something that, again, I still refer to. Mm -hmm. But what about tattoo artistry? And I guess a question is for you personally. Mm -hmm. um, You have a lot of tattoos. I do. And is that something that you feel was like uh, sometimes you feel like it's necessary? It is a self-care approach uh, to taking care of who you are and being true to who you are. I definitely agree with that. So I'm not a big talk therapy person. Mm -hmm. That's just not my jam. I feel like I'm more somatic. So I feel like trauma that's physical needs like a physical ailment. So I can tell when I get super stressed out or I'm overwhelmed, I'm like, oh, it's time for a new tattoo. Mm. Like, um, Like when I got my hands tattooed, it's interesting because my hand, you, you need your hands for all the things. And when I got my hands tattooed, it was interesting because I had gotten so overwhelmed and stressed before I got them. And then it, the healing process forced me to slow down, forced me to be aware, forced me to like take care of myself and just relax for a second. Right. Because you're, uh, well, tattoos are not, you know, you, you can't just, you're not going to put a cast on or anything. But right. You can't necessarily do all the stuff you were doing, as I would imagine, with right. the hand tattoos. So I feel like that was my form of therapy. And it's interesting because you always have the two types of clients, the one who talks the entire session and then there's one that doesn't. And then it's interesting because maybe they even the talkers by the end of the session, they talk. They don't talk as much because they're very like in the zone at that point. So I feel like there's some kind of validation where you you're like, oh, I remember when I got this tattoo because of X, Y and Z. You don't remember all the. Like, oh, this really hurt. You remember, like, what I was feeling, what I was talking about, and you look at the experience. Because, I mean, essentially that's therapy. You may not remember every single thing said to you, but you remember how you felt afterwards. Mm -hmm. You remember behaviors that you enacted after the session. And it's – because when you do get a tattoo and that healing process is also, like, an extension of the session. So healing a tattoo, it's like you're healing like that – that memory and time and then it just becomes just like another picture on your skin then you go about your day like i remember every single tattoo i was gonna ask about that you um like in a lot of cases are you telling time based on oh that's about the time i got this tattoo Mm -hmm. or i remember that time because i was healing from this one Mm -hmm. i do and i have now granted being in a shop i I do get more tattoos, I think, than the average person in the average span. Mm -hmm. But I, for the most part, I'm like, I remember. I remember what I was talking about. I remember how I felt. I remember, like, why I felt the need to go get tattooed. And it's just really fascinating because I do. I tell time. And I think about, wow, I've done a lot in the last, like, year or two years. And, like, what even, like, what I look like has changed. I mean, now I have job stoppers. So job stoppers are tattoos that you can't hide. Unless, I guess, if I wore, like, a oh, turtleneck yeah. and gloves, then I guess yes. I could. But that gets yeah, I, that would be a lot in summer. And also kind of telling on its own. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, she was the one who had the gloves and the turtleneck. We should not hire her. Yeah, that was very off-putting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so I have job stoppers. And that was another thing, too. I remember when I got those. I remember, like, like when I got my neck, you know, like, hey, oh. You know, my my career choices, even though tattoos are widely accepted, they got a little bit smaller. Sure. And once I got my hands and it was over, then I think my mom cried a little bit and she was just like, well, there's that. But then I think she also has told me that she 
would never expect me to have a nine to five job. I think we both realized that. Mm-hmm. So it's a thing. Well, let's leave it at that for okay. now. Because guess what? What? We're at the end of the first hour. Wow. I'm a joy to talk to. I mean, I feel like that you, that's what you say about me. I have to say hi to Chelsea. Hi, Chelsea. Okay. Because she's been like promoting. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Chelsea. She's a big fan of, of me. Okay, great. <laughs> Just making sure. Hopefully. I can share my fans with you. She, I mean, she's awesome, though. I love her. Uh, are you only sharing your fans when you're on my show? No, I I was I mean I've been talking you up. Okay, great. So I mean like they kind of know who you are. Fantastic. You can be like the like famous by proxy situation. Oh. I I love hanging on your coattails. Thank you. I mean they're small coattails. They are. They're... They attach right to your turtleneck. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Mike. So let's listen to a song. This is uh, DJ Shadow with Disavowed from the album his EP actually. You can't go home again. Hmm. Oh, that's kind of (laughs) true. On WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. If you want to learn more about Brie, can we give them your Instagram? Yeah. Okay. That is something that you're going to say because I'm bringing it. Oh, it's actually at Coven underscore tattoos 666. Yes. On Instagram. And you can also follow Pride and Envy Tattoos uh, on Instagram as well. That's Pride, the letter N, Envy Tattoos. Because that's uh, where you do your work. Exactly. Well, that's where you do your uh, uh, apprenticeship. Yes. I almost said internship. I don't think that's I right. mean, it is. It's not paid. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Uh, so we will now hear from DJ Shadow on WPRK in Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. If you need a little pick-me-up, a little more pep in your step, go to your podcast provider and subscribe to your daily dose with Bob and Nick. The Bob in the show is Bob Kajas, an improv host and teacher at SAC Comedy Lab and a motivational speaker and organizational coach. The Nick in the show is the same Nick as this show, so you already know someone there. Your Daily Dose with Bob and Nick comes out every weekday, five times a week, and every episode is less than 10 minutes. Perfect for your ride to work, or from work, or near work. Now back to the show. The new pornographers on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, from their 2007 album Challengers. That was all the old showstoppers. Before the break, we heard from DJ Shadow from You Can't Go Home Again, Disavowed. Good morning. My name is Nick. Uh, I All the old showstoppers, I think, is a good song to play at 8 a.m. on a Monday morning when you make Bree Sosa get out of bed <laughs> to come back on the radio with you because she's such an excellent guest. And she is open and truly caring, I think, about the stuff that you're sharing, Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that it's meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. Um, It has a lot of connection uh, for you. So I appreciate you sharing. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Um, One thing I wanted to talk about, and again, if you missed any of this show, please subscribe. Please consider subscribing to a certain degree. Uh, We can be found on all the major podcast networks. But go back and also listen to, before you listen to this one potentially, uh, listen to the original interview with Mm -hmm. Bree. And one thing I wanted to talk about from that is uh, transformation. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're talking about tarot card reading, uh, which I think falls into that. We're talking about um, tattoos, mm-hmm. which I think you're, in a way, you're 
you know, transforming yourself into someone else mm-hmm. uh, in many ways. You have uh, spent your life doing a lot of transformations, a mm-hmm. lot of sort of evaluations of yourself and the direction that you're going. And you, it struck me as you're never afraid to make a change. Right. And that may not be totally accurate. You might be super scared. You mm-hmm. might be all sorts of anxiety mm-hmm. around making a change. But you have made quite a few, mm-hmm. even after being far down a particular path. Like I think about your uh, master's degree mm-hmm. in uh, education leadership, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a few classes left and you realize that this is not the right path. Right. I'm not afraid to. Well, again, you might be afraid to, but you. Uh, it didn't hesitate, I don't think, for you to consider like, okay, this is not the right thing for me, so I'm going to do something else. Right. Um, now that you're going down this new path, you know, even from two years ago, uh, we we were talking about how, you know, two years ago when you were on the show, tattoo artistry, uh, being a tattoo artist, wasn't in the cards for you. Right. Uh, wasn't something you were considering. Um, how tough was it? to make that decision and how tough was it to, you know, get over your own fear of doing something new and how, how has that been Mm -hmm. throughout? Because, I mean, we could talk about teacher, writer, um, you know, potentially a doctor doing the um, cosmetology stuff. Uh, You have done a lot of different things. Right. And to me, and I, I would imagine to a lot of people who know you and see you, so like that's a really incredible brave per incredibly brave person who can go out and make a switch like that. Brave or stupid? I don't know. Maybe you need to be a little bit stupid to do it. Uh I don't know that brave <laughs> and stupid are completely separate. Um it's it's interesting because I mean, you have those very pragmatic fears like finances, Mm -hmm. like, can I pay rent? Can I, you know, feed my children? And I always tell people you have to you do have to think about those things. But I also think like you also have to be afraid to say no, like just because I've done this doesn't mean you have to continue to do something. You're not you should never do things out of obligation. Don't stay in a relationship out of obligation. Don't stay at your job out of obligation. So what if you put 10 years? Cool. Time. If you want to do something else, then do something else. I just feel like life is so short and it's not a guarantee that you get to make it all the way to the end. Like you don't get not everyone gets to be 100 years old. So I figure like in my life as I make decisions, I'm like, I always go back to that super basic question. Am I happy? Like happiness is a choice, Mm -hmm. you know, and yes, there are ebb and flows in life. But if I'm not happy and I feel like there's something more why not push myself? It's definitely this risk versus reward situation that I go through. And sometimes you have to take the risk for this potential reward. And let's say I don't get the reward, I'm still bringing in energy into a situation. I never want to be stagnant because I feel like it breeds decay in my life. And I want to be like, no, when something's done, it's done. You know, if I break up with someone, it's done. Like, you, like I'm not doing this Ross and Rachel back and forth type of situation. Like, you have to be okay with the fact that there's 
something better out there as long as you're willing to go seek it. Like when people tell me like, oh, magic's not real. Yeah, if you never find it. Like if you don't look for it, you're not going to find it. You're not going to experience all these things. And I tend to look at my life like a cinematic adventure, mm-hmm. like directed by Wes Anderson. Okay, good. Which is surprising for yeah. most people when they look at me. So you're in the Wes Anderson cinematic universe. Yes. So Talking Foxes and yes. uh, the guy who explores underwater whose name yes. escapes me right now. Good, good, good. <laughs> so I feel like that's what I'm. That's how I live my life. And I even make moments cinematic because I'm like, oh, it just feels like that's just a better narrative for my story because my life is a story and mm. I'm I'm playing it out and I want to experience all the thing. Like a good story is not you doing the same thing for 20 years and nothing ever changes. Like routines are great. Like freedom comes through discipline. It's a, a yogic principle. And like with working out, I'm very consistent with that and I do that every day. But when it comes to what I want to do for careers or new skills that I want to learn, I want to get to the end and be like, I did all the things that I possibly could. I traveled. I learned new skills. I met all these people. Like, my life is colorful. My wardrobe is not because, you know, I wear only black. But, like, the people I've met, it's incredible just simply because I chose to say, yes, I'm doing this or no, I'm not. You have I, – I now that I'm thinking about it, there's got to be a lot of decisions that you've made uh, to not do things, as mm-hmm. you just mentioned, to say no. Right. Because it doesn't, the risk outweighed the reward or however that went. Mm -hmm. Um, What were some of the things, I mean, like, do you have any in mind or was there something you said like, okay, that sounds wonderful, but I'm not going to do that. Um, I think doing things like being a doctor sounds great. Like Mm -hmm. I'm about it. I could totally see myself doing that. I have the brain power. I have. I can connect with people. I can be very focused. I can be very, very resourceful. Could I? And I could do all the work to study for it. But ultimately, I was like, I want to be locked down because I'm a Sagittarius. Like getting locked down in certain situation, it's very stress inducing for me. I need to know that my cage is open. And I can come and go as I please. And you can't. You. I just didn't want to commit in to that, that kind of track. You're not right. doing that. Right. There's no so chance I said, of no. that happening. Um, I've been asked to write certain things or about certain topics. I'm like, and it's money. I was getting paid to do it. And I'm like, no, I don't agree with that. I'm not writing about Mm -hmm. that. Um, I like to do things that I'm passionate about and things that kind of inspire me because that's kind of how you inspire other people is when they see how much passion you have for that one thing. You want people to be excited to live and do the things. What has that meant for you in terms of like, your approach to the world, right? Mm. In terms of that yes or no, or uh, do you feel like, I, I feel like you're a little bit different than a lot of people in that in that respect because you, we all want to have that kind of freedom, mm-hmm. but you've said, okay, I'm not going to do this or I am going to do this. So I use it, so like the nine to five situation, it's very, most people like that financial security, mm-hmm. it makes sense, they know their schedule. I've said, no, I'm not going to live that lifestyle. And I have reasons. You know, I'm a mom. I'm a single parent. I have to be able to, like, you know, get my children a certain time, right? So I've said no to this particular lifestyle, but I still have to make money. So I've made it a point to, like, how I see things is I want to be flexible. I want to show my children, like, how I see the world and, like, making my own choices. And I like to give my children the same autonomy. Sometimes you have two options when I look at things, whether I say yes or no. Um, But I 
really want, when I look at my life and how I see things, I make a series of choices every day, all day. Sometimes I just go on scenic routes. Like I'm supposed to be driving home, but then I'm like, oh, let's let the universe decide where I'm supposed to be. And I get like, I end up somewhere else where I'm not supposed to be, I guess, but I feel like it's very aligned. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a bar, I don't know. But like, I end up there. And it's weird because in my head, I make it like the spiritual quest where I'm like, okay, I went off my path for today. My intuition's like, you should go here. And it's interesting because I meet someone that I didn't think I would meet at this space. And it's that's been really interesting. So is it like you're you're driving around, you see a sign, mm-hmm. a, literally a sign, a yeah. business sign, yeah. <laughs> figuratively and literally a sign. And you're like, ah. That's where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. So it's a very holistic approach. To... I mean, it drives like my boyfriend crazy. Yeah. And he's like, you said you were going to go to Publix. Like, where are you? You know, or I said I was coming home, but then home took me like two hours longer to get there. And he's like, how? He's like, what? Like, <laughs> which, by the way, I love you, Jeremy. Um, but I, I do because I feel so strongly that. So here's the thing. Everyone has intuition. Mm -hmm. You know when you want to do something, but you just, for some reason, you're like, nope, I have to do this because this is the schedule for the day. I get it, man. Like, I have a planner that I write in. I write in because, you know, the computer thing. I can't have my calendar for everyone to see. Right. You don't want the computer knowing where you're going to be. Exactly. Sure. So I I write everything. we can't track you 18 (laughs) other ways. Exactly. Can you imagine tracking me like... What is she doing? Like, well, it's good. I think you're throwing off all the algorithms, right? That's By doing exciting. that. Yeah. I'm about that. Yeah. You are doing to the system what the system is doing to us. Exactly. Yeah. I'm fighting we need back. More, we need more it's of so that. so punk rock what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, But so I write things down and I understand following a schedule. But imagine if for some reason you just listened to yourself and something told you, hey, you should turn right. And, of course, you want to argue with yourself. Like, no, why would I do that? It doesn't make any sense. I just don't argue with myself. I just do it. Where I'm just like, no, I'm going to turn right. Let's see what happens. If I get lost, I got GPS, you know. And I think because people have this internal struggle with listening to themselves and they start second guessing and overthinking and overanalyzing that they don't, they just don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't, they just don't know who they are as a human anymore because society's like, nope, if you want to be successful, you need to, you know, be super here, productive and here, do that. Right. I don't want to do that. I want to go in through the back door. I think that let me add this then is that you go on these side quests, mm-hmm. right? Side quests. I love that. Sometimes they're not going to pan out. Right. Sometimes it's going to be, oh, I turned down the street. It was a dead end, mm-hmm. literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. And you come back the way you came and you end up going about your day. Right. But it was a street that you've never gone down before. Mm-hmm. You never know what's going to happen there. I was thinking about this. It reminded me a little bit of uh, going to visit home for me is uh, Ormond Beach and Daytona Beach. Mm-hmm. And I keep going back and realizing how little of the town that I've actually explored while I was there, while I was living there for 20 years mm-hmm. and going to the same 20 places, let's say, uh, you know, the church that I always went to, the mall that I always went to, the shops, the restaurants, et cetera. Um, and I'm realizing how little of it I knew mm-hmm. and how if I just maybe yeah, taken a turn here or there or tried something new here or there. Um, I may have known a little bit more about it and not 
you know, thought that it was uh, the end of the world mm-hmm. um, and not a great place to grow up. Uh, <laughs> no offense for any of my Ormond Beach and Daytona <laughs> Beach listeners. Um, anybody from there will know what I'm talking about for sure. I feel like I'm not from there and I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, yeah. You just have to kind of hear about it. <laughs> but uh, maybe there is something more to it. And I think they're having a little bit of a renaissance now. But having said all that, that's what it reminded me of is just uh, uh, looking up things. And I think what we expect now to do is look at Instagram, see where people are posting from, and maybe mm-hmm. it's this bakery or maybe it's this coffee shop. And that's our way of finding new things. Mm-hmm. And that's great as long as you still go there, as long as you still make the journey, because part of it is not just the destination, but it's the journey as well. Absolutely. And it sounds like that's what it is for you. It is. And I and it's interesting because I feel like I post a lot on social media. Mm-hmm. I'm more so like in my stories because I want people to look at me and be like, listen, I know I look broody and angsty, which is true. Very yeah. Daria-esque. Witches. <laughs> yeah. Witches, am I right? Which is true. Yeah. <laughs> but my stories, I feel like, tell, like, sometimes I'm just hanging out in my room, like, writing because I work from home. Yeah. So I, when I'm in there, like, people, this is, like, my daily life. I'm not out here, you know, constantly traveling. I'm not constantly going out to all these trendy spaces. Like, sometimes I'm just... I mean, to be fair, there I go to very, like, specific food places, though. Like, I'm a child, and I like grilled cheese. So I go to Toasted, not sponsored, by the way. I go there all the time because I love vegan grilled cheese. That's my thing. And I post about that all the time because I'm like, this is who I am as a human. Mm-hmm. Like, there are certain things that I love. But I feel like we've gotten into this mindset with social media that if it's not epic, that you can't post about then it. Then it's useless, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like... No, there is magic in the mundane, and it's really – I can take any moment and make it, like, memorable because it's my energy and my imprint. Like, maybe, like, you know, a song comes on and you start dancing in your office. Yeah, you might not post about it, but, I mean, at least accept the fact that that might be a magical moment in a mundane day, you mm-hmm. know? Like, we've gotten so used to everything being so curated all the time that we're actually forgetting to – live our lives instead of just you know always posting about it well let's uh leave it down with some really good advice from brie <laughs> just take the next left yeah as you're driving to work this morning unless your brain says right uh listen to your brain yeah is what i'm hearing uh unless your brain is wrong right wait right i don't know left, left? oh <laughs> snap uh, let's listen to a song. This is Ratatat with El Pico on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. Card and Fast is the typewriter rental service that no one saw coming. Mainly because who would think of a typewriter rental service? Here's the pitch. If you want a typewriter, you have to find one for sale, make sure it works, and then what if you get it home and only use it twice? Rent a typewriter from Card and Fast instead. It definitely works, and you can see if it's a fit. It's cost-effective and good for the environment. See all the available machines at cardandfast.com. Now back to the show. Ratatat on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree. My name is Nick. Every week I have a very special guest, someone around the Orlando area who is doing neat things this week is no exception my old friend my good old friend Bree Sosa is here 
Well, I'm not that old, so. Yeah, you're pretty old. Listen, old sport. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going for. Uh, Brie was on the show about a year, almost two years ago. We had a great conversation. She was very willing to play along with my antics, which I appreciate. So they're stress inducing. Ah, uh, they all are. Of them? I mean, I feel like if I did all the tomfoolery, like then maybe you would be stressed. Oh, okay. Well, this has been equal parts tomfoolery. I feel. Okay, that's fair. That's less, a fair assessment. This is a less stressful interview than the first one. Right. Until this part. Oh, that's so annoying. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to do a pop quiz as we do every show and ask you some trivia questions and uh, see what your general knowledge is of this, things. I mean, if it was like witchy things, maybe. Oh, well, maybe it is. We'll Ooh. see how it goes. Now, having said all that, five questions. Mm -hmm. If you get four right... If you get five right, mm -hmm. we become best friends for the next week. Okay. I might get one right because I don't do well on pop quizzes. If you get two right, one right, or zero right, mm -hmm. we become bitter enemies for the next week. I don't think you can handle that. Uh, well, we'll see. I then mean, I'm an should, ice queen, so. You should, be, you should <laughs> do very well. Uh, so what I will need is your schedule, which probably won't help me that much <laughs> since you do go on a lot of side quests, as we've established. Uh, any allergies that you have, uh, anything you're afraid of. If I'm your best friend, I'm going to mm -hmm. keep those things away from you. Uh huh. If we're bitter enemies, I'm going to actively try to throw them at you. Well, then if you actively throw me a schedule, that would be a, an enemy thing. Okay, great. <laughs> I will do that. I will keep you on schedule. Okay. I will drive you around only to the places you're scheduled to go. <laughs> oh, how boring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No side quests for you. Uh, so we have a uh, trivia expert to host around town, Simon Time. He does trivia six or seven nights a week around town. So he is the one. Who will be doing the talking? Are you ready? I I guess. We're here now. Great. We're going to do it anyway, even if you weren't. <laughs> hey, hey, Nick. It is I, Simon Time, the host of the Simon Time Trivia Show on PFT Media. And I am thrilled to bring you and your lovely guest, Miss Bree Sosa, five questions, an amalgam of tattoo and tarot card related trivia. Let's begin. Number one, due to the fears of the spread of hepatitis B, New York City banned tattoo shops from 1961 until what year? And I'll give you the decade here. Okay. So what decade was it that New York brought tattoo shops back or allowed them to come back? Um, so they closed them down in the 60s. Okay. I don't know, the 70s? The 70s? Yeah. So just like 10 years? I mean, let's down. be honest. Yeah. There were still tattoos happening. Like, uh, prohibition style. Yeah, prohibition style <laughs> tattoos in New York City. Um, I don't know. Let's do, like, late 70s. Late 70s. Okay, let's see if you're correct. Gang, the Big Apple tattoo ban was lifted in the year 1997. What? Yeah. So you couldn't get a tattoo in New York City legally until after 1997. But people were getting them. Oh, sure. Okay. Or Maybe. they were going to Brooklyn, I would imagine. Oh, Brooklyn. I'm not for sure, sure if that applies if the because they're all boroughs up there. Or is it boroughs? <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay. Continuing on. Okay. Question number two. Not looking for an exact year, but the first known tarot decks emerged in Italy in what century? Mm, this is so like scholarly and it's so against how I am as a human. Let's mm -hmm. try 14th century. 14th century. The answer I was looking for, 
Tarot decks first emerge in Italy in the 15th century. Uh, so close. But so close. Around the same area. I didn't yeah. know they started in Italy. But that makes sense. I think that's where playing cards came about right. too, right? Yeah. So like the Romani and things like that. That's yeah. really like that whole lifestyle. That's why you have like that stereotype going on. Which stereotype? <laughs> So, like, the whole fortune teller, like, how they look and that type of thing is from the Romani. Yeah. And they actually did use playing cards. Okay. So. Good to know. Question number three. Whose invention of the electric pen led to the creation of the tattoo machine? Give me the first and last name. Oh, my God. Let- so I'll give you a little hint here because uh-huh. it was a pretty famous inventor that I was uh, surprised to find out myself. Oh, it's an inventor. Yeah. I feel like the only ones I know are Tesla uh-huh. and like Edison. Okay. Let's just do those because that's literally the only people I know. The person who invented the electric pen giving way to the tattoo machine was, of course, Thomas Edison. Okay. Very nice. You got one right. Yeah. You're still way in bitter enemy territory, by <laughs> yeah. the way. So, I mean, I do war very well, just as an FYI. I feel like you're almost incentivized to do bitter enemy because <laughs> you're going to enjoy that more than most people. I think so. I, yeah. I, so I'm really, I'm actually playing to win. To win in your own way. Exactly. Fantastic. Have you, um, you know, just out of curiosity, going back to being a tattoo apprentice, have you messed around with the uh, the tattoo machine and the so everything I, yet? I've looked at it. My mentor's really good at taking it apart. So that's actually part of it. A lot of, like, tattoo artists don't actually know that much about their machines, and they actually have to send it off. And his big thing is, is like, no, you should be able to take apart your, you know, your coil machine and put it back together. And what we actually have, like, a field trip plan to go to a couple places and, like, meet. I've met a couple people that make the machines. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no. He's like, you're going to learn how to do it and take it apart and fix it because that's, that's important. Cool. Yeah. All right. All right, one right, two wrong. Yes. Let's keep going. (laughs) Number four, let's switch back to some tarot trivia in a tarot deck. The fool's number is what? Zero. Mm. (laughs) That is the number zero, the fool's number. Very nice. Yeah, I always forget that uh, they're still numbered. Obviously, the Mm -hmm. uh, suits... They call them suits. No, mm-hmm. it's something else. Is no, it suits? they have suits. Okay, is numbered, but then the uh, the uh, what the major arcana, the major arcana are also numbered. Right. Yeah. So you know all that. Thank goodness. See, it okay. would have been a bit awkward if I didn't. It would be weird. Uh, you're right on the cusp. Okay. Too right. Too wrong. <laughs> now I'm getting all this pressure. Yep. If you get this one right, we just stay normal level of acquaintances. So whatever like you normal would say. banter. Yes. Like, okay. All right, you get it wrong, bitter enemies. Okay, I'm ready for the war. And finally, rounding out this mix of tarot tattoo trivia in a tattoo shop. Tell me what the purpose of the autoclave is. Oh, I should know this, but I didn't say that part. Um, let's see. It sounds like something that retains the ink. I don't know. I'm going to be real honest. I don't know. See, I didn't get to this part in the apprenticeship okay. yet. Okay. Well, I guess we're going to be bitter enemies. I guess so. The autoclave's purpose is to sterilize the tattoo equipment. Bree, Nick, this has been the Same. Simon Time Trivia Show's five <laughs> questions for the day. Have a good one, gang. We'll catch you next time.
Thank you, Simon. You can follow him on Facebook is the best way to follow everything that he's doing at Simon Time Trivia. Uh, Bree, better enemies. Do you have any allergies? No. Mm. I mean, I'm vegan, so ah. I'd be most cross if like non-vegan food came into my path. Mm. No, that's <laughs> e- I'm not going to do that. Even if we are bitter enemies, that's kind of that's kind of gross. That is. Like I'm I not think... a, a fully gross person. Yeah. That's good to know. <laughs> that's something that people say, right? <laughs> uh, let's listen to a song while we figure out. We'll sketch out the schedule for the week in terms of how we become bitter enemies. <laughs> uh, Laura Palmer's Prom from their album. Uh, XX. Oh, I'm sorry. The name of the song is Laura Palmer's Prom. No, I'm sorry. The name of the band. I'm not sure. We're going to figure this out. <laughs> uh, but listen to the song first. On WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, you're listening to A Certain Degree. After four years on the air, Nick has interviewed nearly 200 amazing Orlando residents. It turns out there are many more that remain uninterviewed, and he'd like to change that. If you or someone you know would like to get up early on a Monday to be on the radio and chat with Nick for two hours, take your computer and point it at toacertaindegree.com. Now back to the show. You say party... We Say Die on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. The album is XXXX, and the song is Laura Palmer's Prom. So wow. now we get it. Wow. It took I you a long time to figure that out. It took a little while because when you have all that together, like just sort of those three categories, I don't necessarily have the whole grid of mm-hmm. here are the album names, here's the band names. Oh. I just sort of have it listed out. You should work on that. In my own DIY manner. You say, well, it's also <laughs> a little confusing because XXXX yeah. could be a band name. Mm-hmm. Laura Palmer's Prom mm-hmm. could be an album name. Mm-hmm. You say party, we say die. Doesn't strike me as a band name off the cusp. Right. If you will. So a little confusing. It's kind of like a PR nightmare. Yeah. But, I mean, you figured it out. You saved it. Look, the internet is wonderful. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to a certain degree. This is a show where we... Just talk about band names and song titles for two hours with very <laughs> special guests. No, I'm just kidding. Bree Sosa is back on the show. Uh, she was kind enough to wake up early, come back on the show, uh, sacrifice probably her health. Yeah. Uh, the lack of sleep and the intermittent fasting that you mm-hmm. do being up this early is probably not great. But I'm doing it. You're doing it, and I really, really appreciate it because you're a fantastic, fantastic guest. Oh, I feel like you're, like, fluffing me up for something. Uh, Just gonna... because we're bitter enemies? Yeah, I feel like something's happening. No, no, no. It does starts after the show. Oh, okay. Obviously, I can't have a bitter enemy on the show. Right. I'm that super aware and, like, observant, so I'm trying to make sure I get all my bases are covered. Great, great. For and attack. nothing is happening to your car right now while it's parked. Wednesday? What? So my car's name is Wednesday. Yeah. And I love her. Okay. So I'm just saying, do you really want to cross someone named Wednesday? Not often. Because then you won't get to Friday. Oh, that's a good point. All right. So having said all that, uh, one of the things that we've covered is uh, your burgeoning tattoo artist career. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you missed any of that, please subscribe to the show so you can listen to the entire conversation around that. But something that you have been into for a while, and I wanted to see about how long you've been uh, doing this, is being a vegan. 
So I've been vegan for about five years. Okay. So it's pretty epic. What was the impetus behind it? Because there are there's health reasons, there's ethical reasons, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I think you can, uh, as I think I mentioned earlier, you can have any number of shades of veganism mm-hmm. out there. So what was sort of your inspiration? So I have the trifecta, which is health, you know, my animal ethics and the environment. So these are kind of like the three pillars that sustain me, mm-hmm. which I feel like now that it's it's so much easier now than it was when I first started. I mean, even Burger King has, you know, the Impossible Burger. You know, think like even fat, if I want fast food, I can easily grab that. It's so much more accessible now um, with price points and things like that. Um, so really just focusing on those three components is really what got me into veganism and what keeps me there. So more options, better options. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's uh, even as a sort of vegan tourist, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll go to Market on South. I will go to different places and have uh, something delightful mm-hmm. that is completely meat free, that is completely animal cruelty free mm-hmm. um, and 100 percent enjoy it. Um how difficult was that transition, though? Because five years ago, there was still a lot of stuff. There were right. still a lot of good places. But as you say, not as much. Well, I also didn't grow up eating dairy. Um, so that was really easy. And even just as a child, I had a natural tendency to not eat meat because because mm-hmm. I'd get into these moments where I'd be like, oh, this is like an animal. Like I'm eating. And it's really weird to like... I was in this weird process of trying to understand, like, why am I doing that? And the origin, like, because, I mean, a lot of the way that we eat is culturally based. And, you know, sure. it's how you were raised. And it's really hard to shift that mindset. And it's even just your taste buds change. So the older I got, the less and less I ate it. So eventually I made the choice to be like, I'm just going to go full vegan. And I saw so many health benefits from it. And I felt better. My levels are so much better. I have the energy to fast, which is awesome. Um, I think it really honed in a couple years ago and, you know, still being vegan. And I was doing MMA style training. Mm -hmm. And I was in the boxing ring for like a solid 45 minutes with someone who's signed, you know, to the UFC. And she's like, and I had more stamina than she did. And she's like... And she's in better sh- – I feel like she's in better shape than I, you know, was at the time. And she's like, how are you doing this? How do you have so much energy? It's like 5 p.m. I'm like, veganism, like just the way that I choose to eat, I feel like I have energy throughout the whole day. Makes me super sarcastic and snarky and broody and angsty, which is mandatory if you're going to be vegan. You also have to be I that. So this started five years ago? <laughs> I mean, I feel like it just illuminated more of that so part of my personality. everything became more intense. Oh, yeah. So your stamina, mm-hmm. your sarcasm, mm-hmm. your health. My witchcraft. Your, obviously your <laughs> witchcraft. I was getting there eventually. <laughs> yes. And it's, I know, I just, I feel better. It's just nice. I always feel light all the time and bouncy, mm-hmm. like a goth cheerleader. It's a a couple of words that don't often get put together. Right. But I did that. So it happened. It's a thing now. What do you – you mentioned going to Toasted, uh, which is a a great restaurant that has vegan and non-vegan options. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you haven't been there, it's a place I would actually encourage you to go to because it's amazing. twice last week. Yeah. But I did like a back-to-back situation where they know me now. So they're like, oh, you get this. I'm like, yeah, that's me. 
And they also have uh, the Impossible Burger. They do. There. Uh, but your sounds like your choice is the... The uh, basic, the vegan 101, grilled cheese with tomatoes and fries. And now I even put the fries inside the grilled cheese. Well, sure. As well you should. Like, I mean, this is like a big deal for me. What is uh, What are some of the things that you miss, though, after making that change? Because a, a grilled cheese, for example, uh, mm-hmm. especially if you didn't eat that much dairy growing up, still is a little bit of a comfort food. Right. What else are the things that you miss or what are you trying to uh, replace or what was the struggle at first? I think the biggest thing is because I I don't miss eating animal products, but I do miss like the ease of things. Like I miss like when I go to a restaurant where like, oh, someone adds butter to something like, oh, I'm like not going to feel well. I miss like desserts because I used to bake. So it was just so much easier. I feel like with vegan baking, it comes. It sometimes is a little bit denser and it's not as fluffy. So I have to think about those things. So definitely like the non-vegan desserts. Like there are some things that I see. I mean, they're horrific for you anyway. So mm. I look at it and I'm like, if that were vegan, I would just eat the crap out of it. Like, <laughs> but I mean, but it's. I mean, it's good though because it's like saving me calories because I can't. So I mean, I could, but because I'm vegan, I choose not to. It's a choice, right? Everything's mm-hmm. a choice. So I choose to be vegan, so I choose not to eat the non-vegan baked goods that call to me. But I'm just like, nay, nay. Yeah, the siren song of the non-vegan baked goods. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm doing okay. Good. So. Let me go back to, we're almost out of time. Mm -hmm. So let me go back to something that just occurred to me is you're transitioning into your tattoo artist career. Mm -hmm. Is... Going, I, I think one of the intimidating factors for somebody who's maybe never gotten a tattoo or it's maybe been a while since they've gotten their last one mm-hmm. is going into a shop and trying to figure out who they're going to work with. Mm-hmm. How would you suggest and how do you think people should interact uh, to find that person? And then what if I go in, like I'm the type of person that will go in somewhere and because I feel guilty about potentially leaving, like let's say I went to you mm-hmm. and you weren't my style, mm-hmm. I would feel so guilty about just leaving that I would just let you go ahead and tattoo me. <laughs> Do you have any suggestions for that type of scenario? And then also, like, should we feel, would you feel bad if somebody just said, hey, I don't think this is the right fit? So I feel like that's where social media comes in because that is your online portfolio. Yep. So if you are following someone on social media, that's a really great way to actually look at their body of work and figure out right away, like, I want this person to tattoo me or I don't. Now, sometimes people only post like, I really love doing this and they might only post that. But instead of like just walking into a shop, because some people don't realize it can be challenging walking into a shop if everyone's busy tattooing yeah. and you can't just like stop what you're doing and, you know, have a consultation. So I always say social media, Instagram, first thing you should be looking at, pick a shop. Um, and start looking at all their artists because all their artists are tagged and then just go through the list. So that way you kind of already have an idea of which artists you want to work with and then schedule a consultation. They're free and that way it's a an approved appointment time that you go in. doesn't cost you anything and you can discuss with them. Now, most people think that tattoo artists draw all this these things up and it's like, no, unless you put a deposit down, nothing's getting drawn 
it's just a discussion of words and looking at the body part that you want tattooed. And I think if you go in with that mindset, then you mm. won't have that, what you're talking about, like just strolling up and then just being like, oh, no thanks type of situation. But it's still like after that consultation, you still might be like, and it, you know, mm-hmm. as an artist yourself, you might also be like, oh yeah, that sounds amazing. I'm not the person for you. Right. And that's when we suggest other people like, oh, you should talk to so-and-so. I think also, too, because it is a business. It's not that we're like these pretentious artists. It's, hey, it's still a business and you want to connect with your client. And if it's a fit, great. If it's not, then it's not. Because everyone, like, we all have choices. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Well, let's leave it at that. Any other advice or for the tattoo shopper and all of us? I mean, just do what you want to do. Life Perfect. is short. If you would like to follow Bree, and I would encourage you to do that, it's at Coven underscore Tattoos 666 on Instagram. You can also eventually see her work on the Pride and Envy Tattoos uh, Instagram and uh, on their site. That's Pride, the letter N, NV Tattoos. And they have shops in Orlando and Kissimmee. Mm-hmm. That's, really, me. that's so fancy. Thank you. You're I try. Welcome. I try to say it the original uh, way that I'm sure <laughs> no one ever said it in their lives. Let's listen to a song and then we're going to turn it over to uh, Orlando Theater Hour. They will be here talking about all things theater in Orlando for an hour. Mm-hmm. Hence the name. I'm glad we uh, covered that. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins. This reminded me of you. Oh, thank you. We only come out at night <laughs> on WPRK. Winter Park, Florida, you've been listening to a certain degree. Thanks, Bree. Thank you for having me. Bye. Yes. Bye. <laughs> Wait, were you saying bye to me? I mean, I guess. Anyone who's listening, because oh, okay, I, I want to be elegant. That, that's your elegant solution? <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Okay, stop laughing, though. I'm going to try. You're getting lines. Oh, that's right. And that's the show. I appreciate you listening all the way to the end, and I appreciate you following Bree on Instagram at coven underscore tattoos six six six. The voice you heard during the commercials is the incredibly talented Ashley Ann Gardner. Check her out at ashleyagardner.com. If you like the bumper music, please follow the To Be Decided on YouTube. As always, thank you so much for listening, and remember. Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, always do what you are afraid to do, the voodoo that you do so well, doobity-doo.